As I began, I was watching Caleb run around, and I, I wanted to say um, to Glenda, uh, thank you for bringing him into the world. <laughs> what would we be without Caleb's energy and uh, how he does things? So that was a great gift to us and our church. So let me pray, and then we're going to talk a little bit about um, a great light. Isaiah said a great light would come, and I want to talk about that great light this morning. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the people that make things happen here Sunday by Sunday on Wednesday nights, life groups, Bible studies, um, care of facilities, but and care for souls. We thank you, God, for the work of Christ's kingdom and we just pray that you would be with us now as we, we talk about this prophecy from the book of Isaiah and now that we understand it so much better than for 700 years, uh, even Isaiah didn't really understand the depth and magnitude of what he prophesied. I just thank you that we have such clarity now. We know exactly who the great light is and we want to celebrate that not only for the month of December, but for every day of our lives. We want to rejoice that we have come into that light. And that light has shown us the way out of darkness. We just want to be as clear as we possibly can today about what we stand for and what we mean when we're celebrating uh, Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I want to um, maybe uh, December is kind of a, Another word for madness, do you ever feel Christmas or December gets pretty crazy? How many of you would agree that December can be a rather stressful month? Do you ever feel, any of you feel that? December can be a little bit stressful. Um, how many would spend too much money at Christmas? How many of you, you don't look forward to January's bill coming in maybe if that's how you buy stuff? Um, Anyone feel like your calendar's too full? Just too many things in December. You're like, how are we going to do all this? How are we going to go to the, the plays and the dinners and the events? And then the church has this and the school has that. And your relatives have this. And now you're getting married and your in-laws have this. And just a lot. Do any of you have a, an entire attic full of Christmas decorations? Uh Maybe they're down in your basement, but our house, most of them are in the attic, and we have this ridiculously skinny little ladder that pops down from the ceiling, and I'm supposed to carry these 600-pound boxes from the ceiling, and I'm always wondering if that it just doesn't feel like it's going to make it. That ladder is just kind of wobbly, and um, I have to go down, and um, I don't know. My wife looks, I think she still does. I think she still looks forward to decorating. Um, I never have. <laughs> it's like, I'd be okay if you had a little tree in the box, you pull it out and it's got lights. You could even plug it in. It would be okay. That would be enough for me. It's a lot of work. I like it when it's there. I love Christmas decorations at your house. Um, okay. How many, um, how many of you, I'm just going to do a quick survey. How many of you have fake trees? Wow, real trees, you go for real trees, okay, wow, okay, um, no trees, no trees, a few no trees, okay, I get it, okay, um, 
How many of you already feel tired and it's only December 10th? <laughs> yeah. Okay, breathe. Let's breathe. For Christmas and much of American culture, Christmas is an annual celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. For, for many of us, that's still exactly what it means. Praise God. Praise God. Um, there's no Bible verse in the scripture that requires or even promotes a special observance for the birth of Christ. There's no scripture that we could point to, but I for one would not know near so much about the anticipation and arrival of Jesus into this world if it were not for annual reminder and lengthy focus upon the arrival of the Messiah. There's whole portions of scripture I really don't think I would know, but we hear them every year. Like there's a couple of messages if you go to church, you just got to have that. You should know something about the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. And there's just like a few of those things that are just like landmarks. And so I, for one, I want to say thank God. I want to thank those people in my life that have helped me remember and understand something so significant to my faith. From childhood, childhood, I've heard the most wonderful stories about the coming of Jesus into the world to save sinners. And also, I want to say thank you to those people during my life that it was in church. Even as a little boy, I remember that I was challenged to pursue the real meaning of Christmas and even challenged to fight that powerful force of self-absorption and lust for this world. I remember sometimes being a little, even as a kid, I was a little conflicted. It's like, man, I, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, back then, I don't know, a new Tonka truck or something. I was really excited about my, I was excited about the gift. And then I would go to church and they would talk about Christ and Jesus. And I felt a little conflicted. I really was, I couldn't wait to see what was under that tree. Could not wait to wake up. But I was also taught that there was something more important. So it was, I'm thankful that someone showed me that. And I was raised in a church and people taught me this. And my grandparents talked about that, or at least one side of my grandparents did. And it was very important um, and so I'm very thankful for that heritage that I had of, of understanding the real meaning. I want to, a couple of things I want to draw from this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. And the first thing is, is the world is a dark place and in desperate need of spiritual light. Can, you, can we agree with that? The world's a dark place and in desperate need of spiritual light. And Isaiah said a great light was going to come. I'm so thankful Isaiah said that. It says the people who walked in darkness, people who walked in darkness. You ever walked in darkness? You ever been really, really dark? Ever been so dark you, like, you really were afraid to take the next step because it was dark? And nowadays all you have to do is pull out your phone. But there was a day when there wasn't such a thing. You got away from places in dark and you didn't, have, you didn't carry a candle with you. You didn't have to have a flashlight with you. It was just dark. And you just kind of had to slow down and feel your way in the dark. I think there's times when, we, when it's dark and we're not sure and uncertain. It's great to have light. And it was a spiritually dark time when Isaiah wrote this. He said, people were walking in darkness, have seen a great light. Like this great light dispels the darkness and cuts through it and shows you where to go and where the dangers are. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. It was spiritually dark time when Isaiah wrote these words. I don't know if you know much about Isaiah and the book of Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament. He was one of the major prophets of Israel and he spoke. God called him to speak in a time of great spiritual darkness. What, means, what that means is that people were not walking in the light of God's truth. 
by and large, the whole nation of Israel was departing from the ways of God. Maybe like us. I think it's a dark time in America. I think people are departing the ways of God. I don't think we're the country that we were. I'm not saying that everything was wonderful. I am not. We have many faults. But I think the gospel isn't quite as clear to a larger number of people than at any given time in the history of our nation. It feels like a spiritually dark time. People are walking in darkness this minute. It feels like a time in history when people could use some light. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. We still need police officers, armies, lawyers, judges, jails, prisons, etc. because it's a still a dark and sinful world. The world is alive with sin and greed and murder and lust. Hatred, war, oppression, bribery and such are still a part of our world. Our little town even has more crime than most of us can imagine. Our little hearts, our little hearts have more corruption and remaining sin than most of us like to imagine. In Jeremiah 17, 9, Jeremiah came after Isaiah as a prophet. A couple of hundred years after Isaiah prophesied, Jeremiah lamented because of the fall of Jerusalem. And he said to the people of his day, the heart is deceitful. Above all things, like more than you can imagine. And desperately sick, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and rest the mind. So the Lord, who searches the heart and knows the mind, says, there's a lot of sin in the world and there's a lot of sin in our hearts. We need light. We need to see things clearly. Galatians 5.19 tells us this. The works of the flesh, that means our natural inclination. The works of the flesh, what we naturally do, the direction we naturally move, the way and direction, the natural flow of this world, he says is evident. The works of the flesh is evident. Just cut on the news. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's not what the modern psychologist tells you. He says we're basically good and maybe your parents, maybe you're twisted in your mind because you had a few bad things happen to you when you were a kid. The Bible says the reason we're bad is because we have a sinful nature. And the Bible is real clear and straightforward. So I, when I read that list in Galatians 5.19, have any of you noticed stuff like that? You notice stuff like, do you notice the works of the flesh? How many of you participated in stuff like this? We're not in church saying, those bad people are here. We're in here saying, thank God for mercy. We're in here going, people like that go to my church. People like that are the people I know and love. Because they're like me. My heart was deceitful and sinful and Beyond measure, and if you knew all my past, you wouldn't want to listen to me preach. And if I knew all your past, I would think, what a waste to preach to them. Truth of the matter is, God's the one who loved us and knows there's enough power in the gospel to save the likes of us. Isn't that great news? Isn't that some great light the world needs to know and hear? 
Is anyone glad that Jesus was born? Our testimony, our testimony and stories of our conversions bring out the most radical changes in people who are sitting right here right now. People in this room have done some horrific things and God sent Jesus to rescue us. Can I get an amen? Good, thank you. I had to put that in there because I wasn't sure if I was going to get one. Okay, so the second thing I want to say is Jesus is the great light. There was a great light coming in Jesus. It's Him. Jesus is the great light. That's what we're saying at Christmas time. That's what we're supposed to be saying every Sunday. I think we're saying that here. Every Sunday. Even if I don't get to it in preaching and I try to, somebody said it in the singing. When you go to a Christian worship, it's supposed to be all about Jesus and the songs and the conversations and the teaching and the message and the hope is that Jesus is the light. He is the great light. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before the coming of that light. And praise God that there has always been light shining for guilty sinners. When Adam and Eve sinned, God gave them a glimmer. It was not a bright light. It was a little light, but it was a light, a glimmer of light that He would send a Savior born of Eve. And when the world was overrun with corruption and God sent a great flood, God promised to deliver the righteous and provided a way of salvation to all who would come by faith into the ark of deliverance. And Jesus is the ark of deliverance. Aren't you glad? Okay, and then when Abraham the sinner, remember if you read Abraham's story, he wasn't always the, the best guy. When Abraham the sinner placed his trust in God, the Lord promised a Redeemer through his son Isaac and then Jacob and then through Judah. It's like... He kept shining the path down the road a bit. The destination was the cross. He kept shining the road down. Everyone, people would lose hope. They would get a, a light, a glimmer aiming toward the cross. When David sat on the throne as an old man with many regrets, he took hope that a distant son and the true rightful heir to the throne would forever be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So David's hope wasn't his record. David's hope wasn't what a great king he had been. David's hope was that God had promised someone greater than him to sit on the throne. And it was the light in the Old, past, in the Old Testament. Isaiah prophesied of a light. Isaiah told of a most miraculous thing. He said, I'm going to tell you about a sign that's like other world. It's supernatural. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a sign that's something that never happened before, never happened since. He said, a, a virgin's going to give birth. A virgin's going to give birth. A woman is going to have a baby without any sexual relation. That's supernatural. And he promised two chapters before chapter 9 and chapter 7, he says, a virgin will give birth. In chapter 9, he begins to describe that virgin, that, that child, that son that was born. And he begins to tell a little bit of the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, an angel told Zechariah that he and an old, that old Zechariah and old Baron Elizabeth would have a son to get people ready for the Messiah. If you look in Luke chapter 1, and they, they keep talking about this great light. Everything is about the great light. Christmas is about the great light. The gospel is the telling of the great light. Isaiah prophesied the great light. Adam and Eve could see the light. Okay, so it says that they were praying, Zechariah, an old man with his old wife, with no kids, desperately wanting children. It says he was there praying, and an angel came to him, 
an angel spoke to him and said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard and your wife's going to have a son and you're going to call his name John. He's got a real special mission. He's going to be the forerunner of Jesus. He's going to be like the billboard on the side of the road before, right before you get like, like let's just say, let's just use billboards and traveling. Have you ever seen one of those signs? I forget where they are, but I don't remember how many miles, but there's a sign somewhere and it says Miami X number of miles and it's like a long ways. And you're like going, Is that, isn't that funny? Because you're like going, I don't know, 300 miles, I don't know how far it is, but I remember like seeing a sign, it's like Miami, it's like, that's forever. Well, I put a sign on the side of the road, and I think it's kind of like, well, that's how far you have to go to get to the bottom. And it's like, if you're a kid and you're four years old, that's like four lifespans. You know, like how many, I need to stop, Daddy. How far, how far, how far are we going to go? And that's the way the Old Testament believers were feeling. It's like, how far? How far until Jesus comes? How far? How far? That's the billboard in, in Genesis 3 was way out. And then it got a little closer, and it's still like, 250 miles out, and that's maybe, I don't know, maybe the ark, and then maybe 300 miles, or wait, I'm going the wrong direction. Okay, 200 miles out is maybe King David's the king, and he's still like a ways out, a thousand years out. And so they're moving along and getting a little closer, and, and John the Baptist, let's just say billboard-wise, he's the exit. He's right at the exit. He's the Miami exit, and he's the sign on the road that says, exit here. And John the Baptist was like, exit here. Jesus is here. Jesus is coming. He said, get everybody ready. Because Jesus is here. And that's, that's the way, biblically, that was, that was John the Baptist's job. And then uh, a virgin named Mary, in, in fulfillment of prophecy, was told that she was going to give birth to the Son of God and named his name Jesus, his other, Jesus. He gave him two names and both of them are like, can't get any more obvious than that. The first name was Jesus, which means Savior. You're going to call him Jesus, which means Savior. Now the problem is that Yeshua was a Hebrew name, so it's the same name Joshua had. It's like, well, no, not that, not Joshua, like, not Joshua like Joshua. Jesus, and so he gave him a second name. His middle name was Emmanuel, so he couldn't get things confused. It's like Jesus Emmanuel, Jesus Savior, who is God, God with us. So it was like a double name that couldn't be confused. And so Jesus Emmanuel, Jesus Savior, way greater than Joshua Savior because he's also God, God with us. And so that's what John, the Gospel of John was doing. When John starts his Gospel, like he's turning that light on full blast, like stadium lights on. John says, we, we know the whole Gospel of John is proving those two things. He's the Son of God who became man and he's, he's divine. He's Emmanuel. And so John starts right from the beginning, goes, then the light shine and everybody sees it, but some people don't like it. And you know why they don't like it? Because they like the darkness. They choose the darkness. The people who don't choose Jesus is because they choose the darkness. And it's very important that we shine that light and we tell people what, what's going on and we get to share. And Jesus made it very clear, I am the light. In John 8, Jesus said, I'm the light. I am the great light. Can you imagine the arrogance of someone to say, I am the great light, if they're not? 
Can you imagine that the Pharisees would have been right if Jesus wasn't the great light? They would have been right to crucify Him. It would have been blasphemy. The problem is they were wrong and Jesus was right. Jesus was the great light. He was the promised one. So I just want to ask you, what about you? Didn't some of you run from the light for a while? I did. I heard the light from the time I was a little kid. I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested in the light. I wasn't interested in the light of God. I was interested in the light of the world, the glimmer, the glitter, the fun. I wanted to taste, touch, see, smell, and experience all the world had to offer. And to this day, I still fight that temptation. And it's not about the, 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 it's not necessarily about the amount of light. It's whether or not you're interested in the light. Because there were a lot of people saved before the light came in fullness. There were a lot of people saved in the Old Testament. So it wasn't necessarily about how much light. It was whether they were drawn to the light. Okay, and can I now just tell you about the light? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read to you and explain 11 things that describe the light from Isaiah 9. First of all, he was born. Is it going to tell you about someone who was born? He was born. He was human. He was born. The light was born. The light's a real man, a real person. His humanity, the humanity of Jesus. And he's sovereign. He rules. Secondly, he rules. He's born. He rules over all government. Rest on his shoulders. All government. He's sovereign, completely sovereign. The one who was coming to be the great light rules. His, his name is going to be lifted up. It says that in Isaiah. His name shall be lifted up. He is worthy of worship and praise and every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. That's what we do. We praise Him. He's wonderful. Another way to say that, beyond comparison. He's wonderful beyond comparison. The greatest ever. Holy, unique. He's counselor, which means He's all-knowing. He's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. No one compares to him, and he's counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's smarter than anybody. He's smarter than you. I know you think you're smart. But compared to Jesus, you're stupid. And he's wise. And the more you line up with Jesus, the smarter you start getting. Isn't that interesting? Okay. How is your... Wait, where'd I go? Okay, mighty God. He's mighty God, which means he's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's everlasting Father. Everlasting Father means He's one with God. He's divine, equal with the Father. It's like a clear declaration that this one has equality with God. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can end war. The only one who can save our world. He's eternal. There will be no end to this. His rule and reign and peace. No more rebellions. It will, he will end it. Aren't you glad? Can you just be excited to look forward that Jesus has the power to bring peace forever? Forever. And then He's just and righteous. He's eternal, just and righteous. Finally, somebody's going to do what's right in every situation. Every wrong that's ever been committed will be righted by Jesus because He reigns in justice and righteousness. And then, lastly, I'm just excited. I don't know if you're numbering. Sorry if I messed your numbering up. I know. Eleven, He's zealous. He's just zealous. All His energies go toward His project. He's like zealous. He's zealous. He's zealous. God is so zealous for His kingdom. He's so zealous for what we're supposed to be doing here. He will come alongside and bring His Holy Spirit and open up the Word of God and call people and summon people. He's rescuing people. He is so zealous for this. I don't know. Sometimes I'll admit I'm not as zealous as He is. 
Sometimes I come here and I, everybody else is else, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? But he never lacks enthusiasm, even when we do. And he wonders sometimes, what is wrong with you? Wake up. Did you not hear what we just read? Do you not hear what you just sang? Sometimes I know the Lord must be going, what? Wake up. Pay attention to what just came out of your mouth and what was being told. He is so enthusiastic, so passionate. It's our job. It's our job at Christmas time to make that clear to other people. That's our job. Isn't that great? Okay, so it's our job to make Christmas about Christ. We need to tell people what we believe and what we're celebrating. We can leave we can love festivity and delight. That's perfectly fine. I love gift giving and gift getting. But let's see if we can turn conversations toward Christ who was born in hopes that the great light might shine into some sad, broken, desperate, darkened soul. Okay? Okay, this could be a great month. Okay, so here I have four responses. This is what I want you to think about. What do you think about God's plan? Isn't it brilliant? What do you, what do you think about this? What do you think about His plan? This is brilliant. You don't agree this is like the smartest thing you've ever heard in your life. As a matter of fact, the only hope that you have is this brilliant plan includes you. It's brilliant. The, the dumbest thing you could ever do is say, that's dumb. The best thing you could ever do, I'm in. You're like going, I'm in. I've never heard such good news. I'm in. Anybody want in today? Everybody want in? I want in. It's brilliant. And if you've never gone in, I'm offering you. You realize what I'm offering you. I'm saying, come on in. Come to Christ. Walk in the light, turn away, say no to the world and say yes to Christ. Just come on to Christ. Right here, right now, just say, Lord, will you take me? This message of Christmas, I've been celebrating Christmas for however long you've been alive, and I have never understood the brilliance of this. Lord, you are so smart, and you're so good and so wonderful. Will you, will you, have, will you have me? And he will. Right here, right now, just say, Jesus, take me. I want to be, I want to be one of yours. And what do you think of God's Son? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to invite him to your house this season? Well, how about the house of your heart? How about just start there? Let's start there. Just invite him on in. Lord Jesus, come and rain this Christmas. Rain. When I see those lights on the telephone poles, why don't you just say, praise God, praise Jesus. That's a reminder. May that be a reminder when you see all this stuff everywhere, green, red, yellow. See it and just say, I'm going to take that and see if I can't turn that thing to Jesus. Put a little light on there. Okay, and how about this? Who, who can pray, who can you pray for to see the light? Who are you longing to see the true Christmas light? So you got people you're praying for and see if you can't figure out a way like, Lord God, I know this person, if it's a family member, they can be pretty obstinate, right? Because you are. And they can be pretty stubborn and family get-togethers can be difficult sometimes. Like just pray and just say, Lord God, somehow... I don't want it to be awkward. Don't stand up and say, okay, now we're going to do this spiritual thing. How about just make it like life and you just say, I just, I just want to say something about my Lord or whatever. Just ask God because there's people who need the light. And then lastly, just think about what gift you're going to give Jesus. What are you going to give him? He gave you, the Father gave his son. What are you going to give him? Just give him something big. Give him something good. And just say, Lord God, I, what do you want? 
you know, nowadays they, we have this thing in our family where like the new way we do exchange is we go online and you put in your name and nobody else can see it and you go in there. And it really helps. And kind of says, okay, guys, but it really helps if someone will give a, um, a gift list over here so we might kind of know what you might want. Otherwise, you're going to get a Claxton fruitcake or something. Okay? And if you're older, you know what that is. If you're younger, maybe your generation feel eyes, nobody likes to eat them. They stick them in the freezer and give them out next year. Okay? But anyway, some people like them, I know. But it tastes like plastic to me. Um, but my, God loves gifts, and he wants you to give him a good gift. And why don't you just ask him, like, Lord, what's on your list? What do you want? What do you want from me? My heart? More zeal for evangelism? To be filled with your spirit? To give you praise? To go somewhere, serve you in some capacity? Okay? Lord, what do you want from me? You've given me a gift and I never repay back. It doesn't, wouldn't even enter my mind to think I could repay you back. But I just do want to say thank you and I do want to give you something because I love you. Okay? Let's make this a great December. Take advantage. Shine that light where you can. And don't be an old grumpy stooge. You know, some people just grump all Christmas season. Da, 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 da. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. And just thank you for the great light has shined, God. Lord, thank you. We've seen, we see that light. That's why we're here. It's happened. What Isaiah said is true and it's happened. And right now, God, this is the light shining season. Until Jesus comes, we can shine that light. It's the season to shine that light. May we do it until Christ comes. And God, I just pray if there's anyone here that they're just ready, there's just like the light's shining right now and you see it and you're like going, I, I want in. If you've never received Christ, come to Him right here, right now. God so loved the world, He gave His Son for you. He gave you the greatest gift. And I just pray if, if you've been waiting or wondering, receive Christ. Just say, Lord God, I want Jesus. Receive Him into your heart. May this be the best December of your life. In Jesus' name. We're going to close.